And now, live, and by that we mean recorded in advance, from Gut Check World Headquarters in the capital city of a boxing love-shaped state, it's the Gut Check Podcast with your hosts, Ted Pluck and Zach Bartles. Hey, welcome to the Gut Check Podcast. Uh, Zach, we are recording today from, wait for it, outside. Uh, it's another beautiful day here at Gut Check Studios, and uh, we are enjoying a couple of... Uh, what are we smoking today, Zach? What are these? These are some Rocky Peas. Rocky Patel. Rocky Patel, kind of the... They make them once every three years, these suckers. The go-to smoke of, uh, of the Gut Check podcast of late. And uh, Zach, as per usual, we got a full show on tap, man. And uh, it's just going to be you and me today, baby. Um, we tried kind of at the 11th hour to get some guests on. Uh, we're going to have a guest on the upcoming weeks, though. We've got... Uh, Recording artist and author Ronnie Martin coming up next week. Uh, we've got Frank Turk coming up in the not-too-distant future, internet legend uh, and writer Frank Turk himself. And uh, at some point, we're going to have Ruiz. And that's that's all I'm going to say about Ruiz right now. I want to leave it kind of mysterious on that tip. You know what? I'm going to say this about Ruiz. Yeah. Ruiz is always on the list. Always on the list. He's, He's with dealt Cardiff with my Gun. people before. Yeah, 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 exactly. Ruiz is always on the list. So, uh, baby, another thing I want to talk about, kind of by way of business... Uh, this this concept of sponsorships. Now we've had some uh, some email dialogue uh, internally at the company. We've had some people writing in, inquiring about sponsorships. We're going to launch uh, in the coming weeks a corporate uh, sponsorship package, kind of something a little bit more formal. Uh, but today, what I want to talk about is uh, is kind of the personal sponsorship angle, man. The fan sponsorship package. Uh, let's talk about how that's going to work. If people want to be on the program for a couple of minutes, they can push their thing. They could push their thing. They could push themselves. Whatever. Uh, here's how that's going to work, man. Um, we want you uh, in exchange for what, like two minutes of airtime on the on the oh, program. I think we said two to five minutes of airtime, depending yeah. on how funny you are. So here's here's what you have to send us in order to to purchase two to five minutes of airtime. And again, this can be uh, to promote a book, to promote your Twitter feed, just to promote yourself, uh, or just to talk to me and Zach, like uh, like a couple of gentlemen, <laughs> like a couple of gents, All right? So what you need to send us is as follows. You can send us either A, uh, a really crappy 80s or 90s action movie DVD. So, Zach, give them some examples from this genre of, of what these DVDs might might entail. Oh, let me see. What, what's a crappy 90s action movie? How about anything starring Van Damme? Anything starring Van Damme. Seagal. Seagal. Right. Um, how about uh, anything with Christian Slater in it? Yes. When he went from being Perfect. like a new release at the video store to being a new arrival at the video store? Exactly. I love it. I like love it. Post-failed TV Christian Slater. Post-failed TV Christian Slater. Perfect. So send us anything from that genre. And again, uh, drop an email to Gutcheck Studios. We'll give you the mailing address to do that. Or the other item that uh, that we as a company like to collect, meaning me, is uh, obscure uh, NFL jerseys of crappy players. So if you have like a like a Rashawn Salam jersey or a Curtis Enos or uh, any, any kind of crappy failed player... Uh, from the past, uh, an NFL jersey of that player, send it in uh, to the studios, and we will give you some airtime on the Gut Check Podcast. So this is the personal sponsorship. Now let me add, the, add one more. If you've got some kind of old, outdated electronics, pilot, maybe, or some any kind of electronics that are small enough to just drop in the mail. You know what I'd love to get for the dust? show? What's that? A bag phone. Oh, yeah. yeah a that's bag the holy phone. grail. Yeah. yeah. If we had a bag phone... We'll give you 10 minutes for a bag phone. Yeah. 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 If you, if you we'll send you us that bag, bag phone, you will... You, you know what? In fact, we'll rename it the whatever your name is, Gut Check Podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's right. For that, for that episode. episode. Yeah, for that yeah, episode. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's the personal sponsorship. Uh, again, drop us an email at uh, info at gutcheckpress.com if you have questions. 
And uh, if you need the, the mailing address, and we you know, look forward. At, I'm sorry, Ted. Go yeah, ahead. we look forward to having you on the program. Is all I was going to say. And while you're at uh, gutcheckpress.com, what yes. do we got going on there right now, man? Big news, baby. Big, big corporate news. Uh, we have launched finally after many weeks of dialogue and anticipation. Uh, there's a short form that you can fill out at gutcheckpress.com, and you can officially uh, become a member of the Gutcheck Army if you haven't already done so. And again, it's not a real army. Uh, we don't. In most cases, we don't tell you where to move around the country or around the world. Uh, in this army, uh, the unique commitment is that you sign up, and then we send you some free stuff a couple of times a year. And the free stuff right now, the the inducement, as it were, uh, to sign a letter of intent with Gut Check is uh, you get our fan fiction, our Downton Abbey fanfic called Eat It's Happy Day. And you'll also get a few chapters of our forthcoming Rapture novel, uh, which is going to be entitled Re-Colon Raptured, Re-Raptured. Uh, and that's going to drop when, Zach? Tell them about the release date oh, for that. April that 1. Day. April 1, 2015. Seems like a very fitting day for that. Yes, it does. Um, hey, let me tell you a funny email I got. Um, yeah. When I sent out to the... I mean, the, the Gut Check Army now boasts dozens. Dozens yeah. of people. Yeah. And uh, when I sent out the thing that said, Welcome to the Gut Check Army, and gave the, the login to get yeah. the free stuff, uh, Jim Cannon sent back an email. Jimmy. said, And by army, you certainly don't mean tribe. That's right, man. Jimmy Cannon, friend of the show. That's money. Friend of the show, man. Uh, we have many friends of the show, and we appreciate all of them. You know what I'm hoping right now, Ted? I'm hoping that the the, the people listening to this can hear the birds chirping out That's here. Right. That is we uh, are, wait for it, outside. outside. That's pure gut check, baby. Dude, pure where did the joke check. come from? I don't know. The outside joke? You know what? You, you know what we were going to do? We were going <laughs> to... Many, many years ago, kind of when we started gut check, we were... We were Brainstorming having a book table at uh, at Together for the Gospel, but right? we couldn't afford to have one in inside the in the actual yeah. event in the actual building. So we were going to have one. Wait for it outside. outside. Yeah, we were going to have like a folding table. Yeah, and and like as people were coming out, quick set it up, throw a bunch of kind of Christianities down on it, and then wait to get thrown out of the event. Which oddly enough, isn't that what Mark Driscoll did at like John MacArthur's conference a couple years ago, and it worked great for him? <laughs> well, so it got some publicity. We could have yeah. used that. Well, not that kind of publicity. No, no, no. But no. A different kind. A different kind of publicity. If we would have exactly. had Mark Driscoll with us, I oh, feel like we really could have. That would have been unbelievable. Zach, here's what I want to do, man. I want to get into some of the meat of the program, if you will. Uh, I want to go back to a recurring segment, uh, <laughs> uh, which is the uh, the energy drink review. Uh, this is a fan favorite. So we're going to review the uh, the yellow edition, the Red Bull yellow edition. At least today. we assume it's a fan favorite. Yeah, yeah, exactly. By it's a fan favorite, we mean we ac- we actually have no idea. <laughs> and we just like doing it ourselves. Uh, so we're going to do this, but then I want to talk about uh, something that you're wearing today, if, in, if that's not a little weird. You know um, what? We, we I feel like we're good enough friends to talk about that. We can talk about my wardrobe. That's good. Okay. Uh, so today we've got the, uh, the, the Red Bull yellow edition. Um, Let it, me point out that people already often say that, that energy drinks like look like pee. Yes. They have the yellow edition. Seems a little odd. I don't know. This can actually literally looks like pee. I mean, if you could make a, a, a can that looked like pee, it would be the Red Bull yellow edition. And we mean that in the nicest way possible. Um, now, they're kind of nebulous on the flavor here. It's simply described as tropical. Tropical. Okay. Which is sort of a way to describe, like, weather or a region. Not necessarily a flavor. But, uh, but when that you're is in the, the tropics, everything tastes like this, actually. And I want to read the tagline here because I, I think this is funny. This is Red Bull kind of trying to trying to rehab its image a little bit. Uh, it says this: Red Bull is appreciated worldwide by top athletes, busy professionals. So you know your your Peyton Mannings, your uh, your you Bill know Gates. Your, your Bill Gates, right? Your yeah. your Wall Street types, college students, and travelers on long journeys. And by that we mean college students. And by that we mean like. 
slimeball teenagers with uh, <laughs> with really bad mustaches, unironically. Scum, scummy mustaches, as mm-hmm. we call them in the uh, the Christian gentleman's smoking companion. Exactly. You, you, I remember one of the first things that your wife ever asked me, yeah. Ted, was if I had a name for that kind of like fuzzy half mustache that like a 15-year-old will have. And did you? I did. What was it? All right, pour. Go ahead and pour, man. Okay, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> in other words, it's a name I don't want to say In other words, I don't want to say it on the yeah. air. Yeah. Uh, this is the sound of Red Bull Yellow being opened here in the studio. And, uh, and outside. Being outside and being poured into into plastic cups. Yeah, well, we don't have the tumblers full of ice this we time. We don't have the tumblers of ice. Like I just went beer with Beer pong the, cups. Yeah, yeah. The plastic. This is what it sounds like hitting that cup. Oh, that's a sad sound, Ted. <laughs> yeah. There it is. There's a little bit for you. I feel like there should be a spork involved and some snacks. I feel like there should be a doctor's office involved. To gut check, man. To gut check. Here oh, we there's go. There's a sad sound. There's a sad sound. The <laughs> clinking of plastic. <laughs> All right, what's, what, tell us about what's the, nose. the nose here. I think actually it smells like uh, it smells almost exactly to me like bubbleberry. Yeah, it smells to me almost exactly like the plastic cup. The the, <laughs> the, the two fragrances are almost. If I had smelled this cup without the drink in it, it would have smelled just like it does now. Um, well, let's let's bottoms up here. It tastes tropical. It does taste tropical. It tastes like the tropics. Yeah, it definitely has a kind of uh, it's got kind Kool-Aid of Kool Aid flavor to it. Kind of a Kool Aid pineapple flavor to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, a little bit of coconut, a little bit of a pina colada kind of thing oh, going coconut. on. Coconut. They say a little yeah. coke in it. This isn't the best we've ever had as a company, but it's definitely not the worst. I would I would rate this uh, six out of ten. Six out of ten. I like my energy drinks to taste like energy drinks. I think yeah, it's, it's like people who love alcohol, which yeah. you know what, I, I'm not really into. Uh, any kind of alcohol, uh, which which is another thing going against me as a, a reformed guy. Um, yeah, come on, man. But uh, it's always an aesthetic exercise guys. with these reformed guys, though. It, it's never because they want to get buzzed. Right, right. It's always like you know we just appreciate the craftsmanship. Of yeah, this is yeah. it's like it's like looking at a painting or something. Yeah, yeah. But boy. the thing is, for anybody who's into alcohol, for you know seriously into it. Yeah. If somebody drinks like you know peppermint schnapps or like. Right. Some kind of cooler, you know, wine cooler, something that right. doesn't taste like alcohol. Then that person is is kind of a, a poser. Yeah, and I kind of feel like with with energy drinks, there should be a certain kind of like uh, perfumed taste to a it. A certain kind of fake chemical. Yeah, and if know. it tastes just like regular Kool Aid, yeah. then I mean, why are you bothering to drink this? Just because exactly. you're a, a busy Kool-Aid. professional or a, a, or a professional traveler. athlete, yeah. a top world class athlete. Yeah. Right? <laughs> well, that's most of most of the yellow edition tropical. Yeah. I think what went to the NBA, didn't it? Yeah, um, I see a lot of this on the on the sidelines of NBA games and you know in the locker room and, and so forth. Well, Zach, let's move on to. Um, to, to something that you're wearing today, I, I couldn't help but notice it. Can I point out first yeah. that that we're we're tapping the ash of these cigars <laughs> against soggy, gross, old cigars that are still in this. This ash is my tray. outdoor ashtray. Oh my god! Outdoor ashtray at Gut Check Studios. Oh, that's that's uh that makes me feel dirty. I gotta have our intern adios these these ashes at some point. You know, at Gut Check we had an intern for about ten minutes. We did. And, and back, that was think, ill-fated, wasn't it? She even got college credit for what she did. I know, which is kind Somehow. of astonishing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, hey, she pulled it off. Good hey, for her. Yeah, good for her, exactly. Well, Zach, I want to talk about a golf shirt that you wore, and uh, apparently you thought it was it was you know casual Monday here at Gut Check, and, and you wore a golf shirt, business casual, and I'm just going to describe the the logo. What we've got here it's a, it's a black shirt, 
Um, kind of it, a loose weave. Kind of a loose weave black shirt. And I want you to describe the logo, because I, I feel like you're going to do a, a great job with that. It says, The Loyal Order of the Ash. Ash is an acronym. Okay. A period, S period, H period. Above it, or below it, rather, is the... This is all like this isn't silk screened on. This is oh, it's like woven, on. This is one yeah, of these stitched. It's stitched in such a way that like the back of the patch, yeah, is like really rubs the skin, skin off your chest, yeah. your chest. Yeah, I guarantee yeah. that part of my body is is red now. Yeah, but uh, it, it's got a picture of an eagle, like a bald eagle, mm-hmm. clutching a big cigar in its in, <laughs> in its, its beak. beak. Yeah. Um, and you have a shirt exactly like this. I do because we were given these shirts, and it's uh. When you're a business mogul and when you're uh, a media professionals like we are, you get a lot of free stuff from people, and you don't necessarily know, you know, when or where you're going to get the free stuff or how nice it's going to be. But uh, but we scored these golf shirts at a book signing. You pretend right? you don't want the or you don't need the, the free stuff, and they give you the you stuff the free, for yeah. free. That's the dynamic of the group. But uh, but we were at a book signing uh, in Bay City at Timothy's Fine Tobaccos, which is a, a great great place. Uh, Tim's a friend of the program, and we were approached by a guy with these shirts. Um, why don't you Why don't you tell the rest of the story, Zach? Well, he said, uh, "Have you heard of the Loyal Order of the Ash? Have, are you gentlemen, uh, you know, kind familiar? Of, yeah, yeah." And we we said, "No. What is that?" Mm-hmm. He said, "Well, Ash stands for oh good. Amer- American." No, it wasn't American, yeah. was it? Wasn't it like the honorable? No, uh, uh, authentic. I don't. We'll say yeah, American. Don't we'll say American. American Society of Herefers. Herefers. Which, which I guess is like a fancy word for people who smoke cigars. Yeah. So it's the loyal order of the American society yeah. of people who smoke cigars. It rolls off the tongue. You know, it really like, rolls off the tongue. And we say, well, th- that's interesting to us. Where, where do you meet? And like, what, what's the, the deal with this group? Yeah. And what did he tell us, Ted? Uh, he said, we don't really meet. He said, it's, uh, it's just kind of a hat and shirt thing at this point. <laughs> so we took the shirts. But promote us. And he asked us to, to promote it, which is what we're doing now. We're finally know. getting around to this. But I don't know what we're telling people to do. You know, there's no call to action. I don't know either. It's kind of a nebulous thing at we're, this point. We're telling but... you to be aware of that this shirt exists. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so do with that what you will. Do with that what you will. Uh, but it is a great logo. Now, they, that was uh, a couple of years ago. Do you think that the, the order is still going strong? I don't know. Does That's the work? thing. I don't know if the order is still there or not there. But uh, but it's something that you have to do some research on. You have to check into it. Um Zach, let's talk about something that uh, that we know is happening, um, and then I want you to ask me about my new book, The Dropbox. But uh, but before you don't that, have to ask me to ask you about your new book, man. Yeah, I'm just going to yeah. do it. Uh, I want to talk about Pacquiao Mayweather, man. May the second. Uh, yeah. This is probably the 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 biggest fight, uh, the biggest super fight in professional boxing in in many many years. In fact, I'm I'm trying to remember as far as like cultural phenomenons. Uh, cult- Things that have happened, big fights that have happened over the years in our lifetime, what would compare to this, to Pacquiao Mayweather? Like, are we talking like Tyson Spinks? I mean, different weight class, obviously, but as far as a big cultural happening. How, I mean, this is something, how long has this been, everyone's been demanding Dude, this years. fight to happen? Yeah, years this has been demanded. Because it's been essentially just Mayweather saying, I'm not willing, right? Right, right. And finally, he acquiesced because I think he feels like Pacquiao has gotten old enough that, uh, that he's not dangerous anymore. Well, in that movie came out, that that like all these like Hollywood celebrities are essentially calling him out, and which saying, was really cool. Yeah, Scott Conn. Scott Conn. Oh my yeah, gosh, was awesome. Oh, that guy's so passionate. There's a guy we'd love to have on the show, Holy Scott Conn. If you're listening, if you're a gut check podcast <laughs> listener, um, send us some free stuff from your house. Yeah, you can't just be on for being Scott Conn. Yeah, yeah, but if you exactly. send me an old Palm Pilot and send Ted a jersey, then then we'll yeah, give then you, you two to five on. minutes. Then we'll get you on. We'll depending get you on, on how program. funny you are. Yeah, exactly. But uh, no, uh, yeah. that was great. And 
And remember, Piven was on the on the documentary oh, doing an impression of Mike of, Tyson. Of Tyson. That was uncomfortable. Which you can tell halfway into the impression, he was realizing it was it was dying, it was flopping. <laughs> but then he realized, like, I'm committed to this, so I have to keep doing it. I'm a professional, so exactly. I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue. But uh, but no, I'm really glad the fight's happening, and we're gonna try to put together a uh, a gut check party for the fight. It's happening, course. man, for sure. Um, we had one for what, Margarito Pacquiao? We had one for Margarito Pacquiao. I think we had one for um, gosh. Pacquiao Bradley, maybe. So we've, we've done them in the past and they're always a good time. Here's the thing. I mean, so, so by decision, Margarito beat Pacquiao, right? No, Pacquiao won by decision. Really? That was, that was the fight actually that, that kind of brought me back into boxing. So I did Facing Tyson in the mid 2000s. I did this book where uh, I interviewed a bunch of guys who fought Mike Tyson. And it's still to this day my favorite book. Uh, if you haven't, you should uh, go to Amazon and, uh, and grab it. But, um, in the, in the course of doing that book, I sort of got jaded about boxing because all these guys had been so, I guess, physically compromised by the sport. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I could see it on them, and it made me sad. And, and they weren't set like like most athletes. Yeah, they weren't set. they retired, they were, right, they were struggling. Right. They were struggling. They a were lot, left out to dry. A lot of them, not all of them. And, uh, well, so even anyway, some that had uh, mansions don't yeah, anymore. You exactly. Know I mean? like it, so I kind of drifted away from the sport for a couple of years, but then um, we decided to get the Pacquiao-Margarito fight. And Margarito was... Uh, was definitely the underdog. He was definitely the villain. Um, he's oh, a he was a tall, thin, you know, Hispanic fighter. Had a great goatee, and was really outclassed by Pacquiao. This was like a prime Pacquiao a few years ago. Really quick, really strong, and Pacquiao was just giving him a beating. But Margarito wouldn't go down, man. He wouldn't go down. He wouldn't even take a knee. Um, and he fought so courageously. And it came out later that he had broken two ribs and separated his shoulder in the fight. Nice. But he finished on his feet, man. Oh, and I was so moved by this that I uh, that I called my sparring partner. Uh, Sam Common, great professional fighter here in the area, and um, we started working together again, and uh, and kind of got back into the sport because of that. I'll tell you what, my favorite line from Facing Tyson mm-hmm. is uh, <laughs> you're listing like different people involved in boxing. Okay. It's kind of in the intro, mm-hmm. and you mentioned hair gelled PR wonks. Hair gelled PR wonks for sure, man. That, that that little few words together sums up like how you write. Yeah, you know the what? Hair gelled PR, the little hair gelled PR wonk. You know what's a funny thing about publishing? I remember uh, having a conversation with my editor about that line. Really? Yeah, and he's like, you know, should we take this out? We don't want to oh. offend any any hair gelled PR wonks. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I do want to offend them. So, uh, so let's let's leave it in because that's what they are. I mean, these these young kids just out of like you know the communications program at whatever university, and and they're excited to be there, and they're they're good kids, and they're. They're all a part of this this big traveling circus that is pro boxing, and uh, and it just makes for a great atmosphere. So, personally, I can't wait for Pacquiao Margarito. Um, you can you can drop us an email at gutcheckpress.com. Let us know who you think is going to win, and we'll uh, we'll talk about that as the fight approaches. You said Pacquiao Margarito. You want to do that again? Yeah, Pacquiao Mayweather. I'm sorry, Pacquiao Mayweather. Here's the thing with Mayweather. He he's he's a hometown hero over here, man. He's from Grand Rapids. Yeah. He's. Uh, He's really well known and and he's undefeated. Yeah, but he's so here's the thing. Abrasive. Tell me that you know you know yeah. infinitely yeah. more. Everything I know about boxing, I've just kind of absorbed from stuff oh, you've said. And and so, uh, what's the difference between you know Pretty Boy Floyd here that yeah. so many people are like uh, they, they feel this angst against him. Yep. Yep. But but he sort of has the same kind of uh, really prideful you know kind of swagger mm-hmm. of like Ali. And, yeah, I mean, did, people hated him too for the same reason, but people Some love people him now. Some people hated him, yeah, yeah, and people love him now. You know, I, I think the difference, Zach, is that there are two things. One is boxing-related, and one is just interpersonal. I'll, I'll say the boxing one first. Uh, Ali was cocky, 
and he was arrogant, uh, but he fought everybody. Ali was an absolute warrior. Okay, yeah. He fought people in their prime. He took beatings. He gave beatings. Ali was the ultimate courageous fighter. And there's a sense with Mayweather in the ring that he fights really defensively. He doesn't get into wars with people. And most importantly, from a boxing standpoint, he doesn't fight guys in their prime. Uh, now, I think if he had fought Pacquiao five or six years ago and they'd had a real war, it would have done great things for Floyd's, you know, kind of persona for his legend, if you will, win or lose. But because he avoids these guys and he fights them kind of at the end of their at their at the end of their usefulness, he wants to be undefeated. Like he wants to be undefeated more than he wants to be respected as kind of the exactly. Guy who, yeah, and okay. I think the interpersonal one is that uh, Ali was a kind of a jerk. He was cocky. He was arrogant. <laughs> Wait, were you going to say something different before you said kind of a jerk? Absolutely not. Sometimes when you can't think of a word, you just go. I make that di sound a little bit. No, but Ali was a little bit of a jerk. But I, I think deep down, uh, you had the sense that Ali loved boxing and that he loved other fighters, which he did. And uh, and there was a sense that Ali was just trying to promote the fight and trying to increase the gate and trying to get everybody paid by being the way he was. Uh-huh. And yeah, showmanship. It was showmanship. And I think now, uh, in the intervening years, as the years have passed, there's so much affection for Ali that's not going to be there for Mayweather because mm-hmm. there's not that same sense with Mayweather. That's my opinion, at least, for so what it's worth. Did you say what you thought was going to be the outcome? I uh, I would love to see Pacquiao win by knockout. I mean that that would be to me the ultimate outcome. Uh, Mayweather has a lot of distance fights. Pacquiao has a lot of distance fights. I think it will go the distance. I think if it's close, um, Pacquiao is going to get the decision because of how people feel about Pacquiao. Honestly, hmm. that factors um, in. Huh? I think it factors in. Yeah, I mean you're talking about judges. You're talking about fallible human beings. Um, I, I think if it's close at all at the end, Pacquiao will get the decision. Uh, but boy, it's hard to bet against Mayweather. He's so good. He's so good defensively. He's still so fast. Um, but I, I would love it to be Pacquiao. Your thoughts on the on the fight? What what you said? I just go with you. Mm. Like if somebody asked me that, I'd be like, I have yeah. to go to the bathroom. Then I'd quick text you, <laughs> and whatever you said, that's what I would tell him. <laughs> Fantastic. I'd be like, you know what? He's still so fast. I mean, I would yeah, just say yeah, exactly yeah. what you said. Hey, that's the dynamic of the group. I love it. Hey, Ted, that that book facing Tyson we were talking about. That was yeah. your first uh, big book. Yep. Still, you say it's your favorite book you've written. Yeah. Can can people get that like an ebook? They can get it. I, you know, I don't know if they have an ebook facing Tyson. Honestly, they have a. Okay. We have an audio version. Oh, you know there is that. There audio is that version. audio version of Facing Tyson. So if you want to go, want that, you go on uh, gutcheckpress.com/slash/tyson. Yeah. And you can you can buy it for. I think we have it on sale for four ninety nine right yeah, now. Yeah, it's really cheap. Right it's now. a full length yeah. book read by Ted, and uh, you will love it. I mean, it's it's essentially. You're never going to get into the ring with Mike Tyson, and if you did, you would die. Exactly. But you can kind of get into the heads of, of, of the, the people guys who, who did. did get into the ring with him. Yeah, yeah, really fun book, man. And we had a blast recording that thing. We actually recorded it in a boxing ring in my basement. Wait for it. Downstairs. Downstairs. Inside. <laughs> and by my basement, I mean, of course, the basement of Gutcheck Studios, where there's also a boxing ring. The Nakatomi wing. The Nakatomi wing. Mm-hmm. I love that when we're not talking about Downton Abbey, yep. we're talking about professional boxing. You know, there's a gotcha. there's a broad spectrum of things we talk about here on the program. Uh, we've got a recurring segment right now. Um, it's the the reading, the weekly reading of the Rachel Held Evans tweet. Mm-hmm. Um, do we have any celebrity guests in in the studio? Is there anybody in the green uh, the green room waiting to read this? I thought I saw I thought I saw the uh, Secret Service skulking around uh, okay. from a former president. Um, Ooh, I, I don't know. Maybe. Boy, what an honor! What an honor yeah. to have a former president here. At Actually, Gutcheck. I think I think I might have saw two. Okay. And they both wow. wanted to crack at reading the tweet. No I, kidding. Yeah. Wow, this is this is huge. This is really, really big. So Which one do you want to let sit in your chair, Ted? <laughs> let's uh 
Let's open the door. I, I think I want. Uh, I think I want George Bush Senior uh, in my chair. Who, who would you like in your chair, Zach? Um, you know what? I, I think that uh, we'll we'll have William Jefferson Clinton uh, sit in my chair. Yeah. Wow, Bush yeah. and Clinton. This is a huge kind of a, a day of retro presidents here for uh, for Gutcheck, man. I'm so excited. Uh, so let's fire up the randomizer. Let's get the tweet uh, ready. So. There it is. And uh, who wants to go first? Should we have uh, Should we have Bush or Clinton go why, first? Why don't you ask uh, President Bush to go first there? Okay. Uh, President Bush, uh, would, would you do us the honor of reading uh, this tweet by Rachel Held Evans? And, and Mr. President, I have to give you the, uh, the, the skinny here on how we do things in the studio with the tweet. Uh, no laughter is allowed, so if you were tempted to laugh or comment... I don't know what would be funny, but if you were tempted no, to no, laugh... No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. No commentary, no laughter, no... no uh, no words spoken after the tweet, and uh, and that's it. So we're going to give you the first crack at it. So uh, without further ado, uh, President uh, George Bush. Didn't see it as leaving evangelicalism, but folks seem to think it's an either-or thing. Wow, th- thank you so much, Mr. President. You You sound a little nasally, like you got a little bit of a cold. But uh, we appreciate that. Now I'm going to welcome in um, President uh, William Jefferson Clinton. So it's a huge honor to have you in here from uh, from Arkansas. Good to be here, Ted. Thanks so much. <clears throat> Let me get on. Picture me getting on my glasses. This is hor- it's horrible. No, no. It's, <laughs> it's horrible. It's not. Hold on. Let me do. You know Mr. what? Mr. President, what are you talking about? It's horrible. It's you. It's yeah, your voice. Actually, he's not here anymore. He left. But but to pick up his elderly father is, is the... Uh, the second President Bush. Okay. So he, yeah. he, he, he's gonna come in and read okay. this. At James E. Bruce. <laughs> At Trent Bradley. I didn't see it. <laughs> What's funny, Ted? No, nothing, Mr. President. Somebody did something off, off camera. <laughs> I didn't see it as leaving evangelicalism. But folks seem to think it's an either or thing. Strategery. <laughs> wow! Thank you so much, Mr. President. Uh, what an honor to have these two men uh, in our studio today, Zach. I-, I feel like this is a big day for the program. And by the way, they're dressed. It seems like they're going golfing. Yeah, they look like they're going golfing. They're seems going like to- it's going to be the summer of golf. They're going. To- it's going to be the summer of golf. They're going to the driving range there at fun time. <laughs> by golfing, we mean the driving. By golfing, range we mean hitting a bucket of balls and getting frustrated and then leaving halfway through, <laughs> which is how we do it here uh, here at the company. Thank you so much, and, and off the presidents go uh, to to hit that hit bucket some of golf balls. Golf. Yeah. Um, Ted, I think let's talk about uh, let's talk about your latest book. We talk about your first book. Let's talk yeah. about uh, the newest one you got on the shelves right now. And this is something everyone on my Facebook feed is talking about. This phenomenon. That's awesome. Um, the Dropbox movie, which is coming back out again. Yeah. Um, it had a one one week run in theaters all over the country. And, and I mean, it's everybody loves it. I mean, this is the kind of thing like. Liberal, conservative, the whole yeah. divide. Yeah. People from all different aspects of of kind of uh, Christianity, Christianity and Christian culture. Um, and you co-wrote the book with the guy who who made the movie. Yeah, that's correct, man. A guy named Brian Ivy, really talented young, uh, young young filmmaker from Los Angeles. He's a graduate of the USC Film School, which is kind of the Harvard Law of uh, film programs. And uh, and I'll tell you, it's a it's a really interesting story the way this came together. So Brian was uh, an unbeliever, 
Um, he had just graduated from the USC Film School, and he read a piece in the New York Times uh, about Pastor Lee, this pastor in South Korea, who, in response to the orphan crisis in that country, um, built a drop box into the side of his house uh, to take in these babies who were being left in the street to die, these severely uh, disabled uh, children. And he would take them in, and he would raise them through adulthood. It was a really beautiful, uh, kind of heartbreaking story of, uh, of sacrifice and what uh, this pastor, this man, felt compelled to do uh, by Christ and by the gospel. And Brian read the story, and he thought to himself, you know, this would make a great documentary. I'm going to make it. I'm going to go to Sundance, and I'm going to get famous. Uh, so he raised the money. He flew to South Korea. He shot uh, the documentary. And in the process of doing so, he uh, had his heart changed, had his heart broken, uh, he was confronted, actually, by uh, by seeing the brokenness of these kids uh, who were being raised by Pastor Lee. He saw his own kind of spiritual brokenness in them and uh, and became a believer as a result of making the movie. And uh, the movie came out uh, in March. It came out, uh, I believe, March 1st. Uh, Focus on the Family did the big release. And I was approached last fall um, to write a, a book with Brian uh, to sync up with the release of the movie. So we have a book out called The Dropbox. Uh, which is kind of, it, it kind of parallels the story of Pastor Lee with the story of Brian's uh, redemption and coming to faith as a result of making this movie. And I have to tell you, uh, he was the coolest guy I've ever worked with on, in a ghostwriting context. I mean, just an amazing guy, really honest, really willing to share, you know, kind of the hard, gritty, honest parts of his story, which most people aren't willing to share those things. And um, and he was a joy and a pleasure to work with. And I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't say nice enough things about him. Just awesome guy. It seems like it was a hard book to write in that it's it's hap- it, there's more than one thing going on at once. It's mm-hmm. following time concurrent timelines that aren't concurrent. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that must have been. How, how do you, as a writer, organizationally, yeah. uh, organizationally, yeah, uh, I got to get all the syllables in there. Yeah, um, put that together. Do, are you like a, a guy who's got you know a spreadsheet or something, or are you just kind of like as you go, you're oh I need to get this in here, then I need to get yeah. this in here. Yeah, it was more as we go, and, and we had such a short time to do the interviewing and write the book, so I feel like we spent, you know, we'd spend hours on the phone every couple of days, and we'd have these, like, two-hour marathon, you know, phone interviews, and then I would sit down, I'd take all the notes, and I'd kind of parse out which parts of the story were Pastor Lee and which parts of the story were Brian, and uh, and then try to kind of lay it out chronologically, and it, and it happened that we started the book... Uh, with the Pastor Lee story, with them on the ground in South Korea, kind of meeting the orphans and, and the pastor for the first time. And then we circled back around to Brian's story and then kind of told it chronologically through the, um, you know, the film festivals and, and some of the stuff that really launched the, the movie, uh, nationally. So, um, yeah, I feel like it worked really well. Um, you know, if we had it to do over again, if we had more time, maybe we'd do some things differently. But I think it was, I think it was the book that God wanted us to write. And, and what's exciting about it is that, um, I'm even seeing a lot of a lot of non-Christians interact with the book because they've seen the movie uh, advertised out in uh, out in the public, and uh, and and I think people are going to be exposed to the gospel because of this book, which is exciting. And it it kind of highlights it, it, the the book. You don't do this in the book, but just the very the concept of it highlights that it, you know evangelical Christians are often given this. Uh, you don't care about people now; you care about only yeah. their soul after they die, and, and yeah. you know we don't even know that that's a thing. Yeah. Um, and yet, you know historically and today the the majority of you know this kind of uh you know orphanages and and hospitals and this stuff they can trace their roots back to a christian movement yeah and to see somebody just saying there's no one doing this and someone has to do something yeah i mean yeah. that speaks that speaks volumes for 
the effects of the gospel. The, the gospel is oh, not just sure. something people repeat, but it actually has a real life. A real thing. impact on, uh, on people in real life. Yeah, for sure. No, and I think what was so, what was so powerful about the story was, um, just the Christ likeness of the pastor, you know, serving, uh, serving these kids sacrificially who could really do nothing in return for him. And it was a real picture of, I think, what Christ does for us. You know, we, in our own flesh and in our own capabilities, can do nothing in and of ourselves to please or, you know, or honor Christ uh, without his influence and without his uh, guidance and direction in our lives. And uh, and I think it was the same way for the pastor. You know, he just gave gave sacrificially to these kids, and um, and, and God used these lives, you know, the, the lives that in the world's economy would seem to be, you know, useless or a failure or whatever, you know, God's using them now in a powerful way and, and has been for years. All right. Well, enough promoting other people's, uh, or other publishing companies books that are also your books. Um, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about some gut check stuff. Uh, we've already talked about the army. We've talked about, uh, new stuff that's coming out soon. How about some of our, our, some of our uh, backlist? Yeah, it the backlist. That's insider speak for other books. Other that books we've that we've published. published. Yeah. Well, one book uh, that's a personal favorite of mine, this is with uh, another author here in the Gut Check Empire. Uh, the book is called Mega, Get Noticed All the Time for Everything, uh, by one Chaz Marriott. Now, I'm just going to, the elephant in the room, is it yeah. true that Chaz actually was in jail for a few days this week? Uh, yeah, I think, I, I saw that on TMZ, I think. I saw some grainy, uh, some grainy photos, paparazzi-type pictures of Chaz. Yeah, he had like a purple sweatshirt over his head. Yeah. I, I thought that was odd because he wasn't like using that opportunity to in- yeah. increase his brand saturation. Didn't he get in a fist fight with Michael Hyatt at, a, at, the, at the cash bar of a conference? Is, oh, that, uh, is that what happened? To- Even after, uh, you know, this sounds a lot like his blow up with Michael Regency. Yeah, Michael Regency that he chronicles in the book in, <laughs> in some detail. Well, Zach, let's, uh, let's give the readers a little taste of the kind of wit and wisdom that they can expect from Mega. Which Mega, if you're not familiar, is about uh, building your platform. It's about being uh, a social media mogul and getting lots of followers and uh, and building your platform. And by that, we don't mean like an actual platform that you can stand on. Like the platform we're on now. Yeah, like a wooden platform that's attached to a house. We mean uh, <laughs> we mean a platform like a big group of people. So uh, one of the things that Chaz does, I think, that's really helpful in the book uh, in a business context is he creates... Uh, a new vocabulary, if you will, for the business world. And uh, I just want to read one of these. Uh, the word is electricentricity. Oh. Kind of a, a, a mashup, a pastiche, if you will, of uh, uh, eccentric and electric. So let's hear this. Electricentricity. People tell me that I have an electric personality. People say things like, Chaz, you light up a room with your presence. And when Chaz Marriott walks into a room, it sizzles with excitement. People also tell me that I'm eccentric when I do things like put on a three-piece suit just to drive to Jiffy Lube and have the oil changed in my 1999 Lexus. <laughs> I was also called eccentric shortly after I fought Michael Regency, in addition, admittedly, to being called absolutely out of control and under arrest. <laughs> the point? If you're going to succeed in business, you need to have an electric and eccentric personality. Oh. And, and on, the, uh, on the page immediately facing that, Zach... Uh, is what we call the a chasronym. Oh. Uh, and a chasronym, it's a it's an acronym made by Chaz that fits uh, kind of handily onto one of these little rubber bracelets that you see all the time in business. Um, and this chasronym, why don't you read this one for me, Zach? Oh, and this this uh, informs kind of the uh, his living situation, which is in a, a studio apartment above a dojo above a with dojo. a man who may or may not be Steven former Seagal. actor Steven Seagal. Uh, so it's the the word is dojo. Mm-hmm. 
and it stands for Direct Outrage Justifies Obviousness. That one, that one kind of, uh, it's a little bit of a, a reach. How about this? Did you see the, the Chaz room for Seagal? Uh, yeah. A few pages later. You know what's interesting is that Let's Chaz spells Seagal wrong. Yeah, but, he does. But it's not us doing it, it's no, Chaz. No, Chaz doing it. Seagal. <laughs> And this is in the in kind of the chapter where he, he kind of talks about his life. and He gets and, real raw. He gets real yeah. honest toward the end of the book. It's almost like a memoir. So Seagal stands for seeing everything going away lately. So the book is mega. Get noticed all the time for everything. You need to go on Amazon post-haste and, uh, and grab yourself a copy of mega if you want to succeed in business and you want to succeed in publishing. And, you know, um, if you want to follow him on Twitter, he's just at Chaz Marriott. Or you can look for hashtag Chaz Wisdom, correct? Hashtag Chaz Wisdom, yeah, and he, and he really takes note. He spends yeah. most of his time uh, just staring at a computer screen, sadly. Being on Twitter. So, uh, look him up there. Speaking of publishing success, Zach, uh, I want to talk briefly about our most successful book called The Christian Gentleman's Smoking Companion. I uh, bought our breakfast uh, this morning, didn't I? bought that? our breakfast this morning, our lavish breakfast. At, my, uh, actually, my eggs were a little runny. I don't know if I mentioned that to you. And yeah, to the actually, waitress. Actually, no, you, you mentioned, you mentioned it, I think, to the entire restaurant. But, uh, <laughs> so it's good that everyone in Grand Ledge who was at Sophia's this morning knows about your, your running eggs. Here's the thing. You know how, like, last week you, you mentioned that I, I have this weird thing with Detroit. I don't like people yeah. to like, Ted, Ted's got this, uh, this kind of, uh, character trait where when I'm with him in Grand Ledge, which, which, which is, is where I kind live. of an extension of, of, of Lansing, it's which the is the town where that I live. I live in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anything I do is, is, uh, really kind of subject to scrutiny and how it's going to reflect on, on Ted and his future dealing with shopkeeps and, and, shopkeeps. <laughs> and, and so well, apparently maybe it's because I, I have to live in this town. When I said, uh, when I said, have a nice day to the, <laughs> to the lady, we were buying the, the Red Bull. Yeah. You were like, man, you were such a jerk to that lady. The way you, it was the way you said, have yeah, a nice it wasn't day. so much what you said. It was the way that you said it <laughs> to the lady. Oh man! If I would have said "Have a rotten day" with like a nice voice, with like a nice voice and a smile, it would have been fun. <laughs> so, Zach, why don't you give us a, a little something from uh, the Christian Gentleman Smoking Companion? Well, here, here's the thing with the Smoking Companion: it's a combination, and this is what a lot of our five star reviews on Amazon have said. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great combination of entertaining stuff, uh, historical stuff about cigars and cigar smokers, famous cigar smokers, and then actual just like useful tips about smoking and and cigar lounges. One of my favorite sections. Because uh, we did kind of the research for it with Timothy mm-hmm. at, at this tobacco shop, is is smoke smoke lounge etiquette. Oh, this is a great one. Um, and I'm, there's there's a bunch of things uh, that you should avoid, yeah, uh, so that you don't become quote unquote that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm just going to read you a couple of them here. Yeah, uh, one of them is being a lounge lizard. The lounge lizard spends hours a day in the comfy leather leather chairs, but does not buy anything. Some days he doesn't smoke at all. Other days he brings in his own cigars. He might glom on to other people's conversations, or he might loudly, quote, close deals on his flip phone. <laughs> Does your favorite smoke club have a lounge lizard? If no one comes to mind, take a moment to consider whether it might be you. Oh, it's never too late oh. to repent. That's right. That's right. We got uh, trying to be the snobbiest cigar snob in the room. Mm. And this, I think, is, is something that people who are kind of new to cigars and, and yeah. really, you know, insecure kind of put on as a not unlike people who are new to calvinism yeah there's a cage stage for cigars yeah, as yeah, well there yeah. is there is uh and so do you always talk about smoking hundred year old cubans do you have an opinion on everyone else's smoke do you absolutely have to work spanish terms and technical language into every cigar conversation do you memorize cigar reviews from magazines and try to pass them off as your own <laughs> if so realize that everyone else in the lounge wants you to shut up I think, you know, in, in all fairness and honesty, I think we've done all those things before. 
Probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah, at one time or another. Ligero. Ligero, yes. Did you just say Ligero, you cretin? Yeah, yeah. So that's the Christian Gentleman Smoking Companion, uh, and that you can get uh, at a handful of stores, but the easiest way is probably just to go on Amazon. Uh, and and you can get it for your Kindle, but don't. I mean, get the actual This thing. is a coffee table it book. It is a so. coffee table book. Yeah. Maybe you should read that section or, or yeah, excerpt we, from the section about, section about coffee, coffee table tables books. and display and suggested yeah. uh, st- display options. Uh, these are suggested display options for uh, the book that we're talking about, The Christian Gentleman's Smoking Companion. Let's just break from the cigar lessons for a moment to talk logistics. Being that this is a coffee table book of sorts, it is imperative that you display it on a coffee table. That may sound obvious, but we've been moguls in the book business long enough to know that sometimes you need to tell people how to display the book that you've just sold them. Sometimes you need to actually tell them how to feel about the book that you've just sold them. But alas, that's another essay for another time. Read probably later in this book. But seriously, let's just state the obvious because it's the elephant in the room. This book is a little small to merit consideration next to expensive, glossy pictorial coffee table books like the book you probably own with all the depressing pictures of post-apocalyptic Detroit. <laughs> there you go. And also the book on Michigan Lighthouses, which those two books, every hipster in Michigan owns those two books. As well as me and my wife. Yeah, the, the, the Lighthouse book and the, and the Falling Apart Detroit book. Those are fine books. What I'm saying is go ahead and proudly display this book right alongside or even instead of. <laughs> what you're presupposing is that the coffee table itself is a certain, is a certain size. What I'm presupposing is, what if it isn't? (laughs) Like people, coffee tables come in all shapes and sizes, and we appreciate and celebrate coffee tables of all shapes and sizes. Like perhaps your mom has one of those small end-of-the-sofa coffee tables, nay, end tables, this would go great on one of those. (laughs) There's also that coffee table that your wife picked up off the side of the road and then mosaic tiled over back when people were doing that. And then she probably photographed it and put it on Facebook. Oh, dude, my wife did that last week. Of course she did. Yeah. There's also the $1,000 Pottery Barn coffee table fashioned in the style of a rusted farm implement. There's also the coffee table that sits so low to the ground that it appears that people should be kneeling, having a Karate Kid 2-style tea service at it, like the one that took place between Kumiko and Daniel's son. Great scene, by the way. Great scene. If you're a hipster, perhaps you fashioned a coffee table out of an old tubular television... Or you threw an old distressed door up on some sawhorses. <laughs> Our book would look great on any of those coffee tables. So, there you go. Get uh, it and, and display it in some way. Or or perhaps, you know, on, on the rotating platform under, under, under glass. glass. Yeah. yeah, we like that as an option as well. And, or, you know, make a dis- maybe like make a coffee table out of a bunch of copies. You know, yeah, yeah. Mod Podge over. Mod Podge over a bunch of copies. Oh, and that would be money. That would that would really be money. If and by money, we mean it would it would bring us money, a lot of yeah. money. Yeah, I'd buy breakfast and I'd loudly complain about it, and Ted would get angry because he <laughs> has to live here. That's right. And if you if you make one of those coffee tables and send it to us, we'll let you be on the air for two to five minutes. Two and, to five minutes. And by the air, we mean uh, talking to our computer via Skype. There you go. It's been a great episode, Zach. It's been great to be uh, outside here in Gut Check Outdoor Studios. Um, again, we want to remind people about the personal sponsorship. Uh, you send your crappy 90s action movies and or your crappy football jerseys uh, into the Gut Check Studios, and we will get you on the air uh, in an upcoming episode. So uh, don't don't delay. Uh, make that happen right away. Uh, go to gutcheckpress.com. Join the Gut Check Army. Uh, get some free stuff, and then get notified about the April 1 release of Re-Rapture. Which you is, can read the first half, really, of Re-Rapture. Yeah, really, the, fir- yeah, right the first several get chapters, the first half. You can, you can get reading now. 
uh, and you can enjoy that story and be swept up in the, the excitement and the momentum of the re-rapture.